In 2015, the United Nations set their Sustainable Development Goals, aimed at helping the global community to achieve a sustainable future. Since then, the term has crept into the rhetoric of politicians, companies and individuals from around the world. While there seems to be a broad consensus that a sustainable future is something that we as members of a global community want and should be investing in, there is less clarity about what exactly sustainability really means and what a sustainable future looks like. In today's episode, we'll be exploring sustainability and the idea of a sustainable future with respect to food production and consumption and sustainable building development. We'll also be looking at sustainability as the new frontier for innovation within the scientific community. We'll begin our exploration of sustainability with food, the fuel that sustains us. With more mouths to feed and no more land to grow on, sustainable food chains are a hot topic. So when I found out that Agilent's instruments are supporting a business that was revolutionising sustainable food delivery, I gave them a call. My name is Jessica Perkins. I'm the Director of Sustainability at Appeal Sciences. Hi Jessica, thanks for joining us. So when you talk about sustainability at Appeal Sciences, what does it mean to you personally and to Appeal as a business? So the definition of sustainability is actually very similar for me personally and to how we think about it at Appeal. We think about it as trying to develop innovations that solve today's challenges without compromising the needs of the future. So thinking through what might be the unintended consequences of the decisions we're making today and really trying to understand our environment and the natural world so that we're really valorizing the science that has already been developed just by nature and to make sure we're working with those principles rather than against them. So with that in mind, Please, could you tell us a bit more about Appeal Sciences and what you've created? We make a plant-derived product that, when applied to fresh fruits and vegetables, doubles or triples the shelf life without the use of refrigeration. This product is called Appeal. It's made from materials that are found in every bite of fruit that we already eat, and it keeps produce fresher um, for two to three times longer because it slows down the respiration rate of the fruit. So you can think about it as a little bit of an extra peel on the produce that coats the produce and slows down the rate at which oxygen gets in and water can get out, which are the two primary causes of spoilage for fruits and vegetables. So you're actually giving it some extra protection. Right. So the really the best way to think about it is just adding a little bit of an extra peel. So yes, I think that that would be true. That sounds like an amazing idea. For many of us, food waste is a real problem. We buy fruit or vegetables with the best intentions of eating them right away, right? But things don't always go to plan. A third to half of all food waste, or, or of all food that we produce for consumption, goes to waste. And this is particularly high for fruits and vegetables because of their perishability. I understand that food waste in the food industry is a major problem, so how is this innovation addressing that challenge? We see the innovation that we're creating as this product that can reduce the amount of food waste and with that the embodied emissions, water, energy, other resources used to produce food that would go to waste. We use life cycle assessment, which is a method to quantify the environmental 
impacts of a product across its entire life cycle from raw materials all the way till the end of life to make sure that we're identifying hotspots where we could make improvements and not just focusing narrowly on the use of our product or one part in particular. We're trying to also make sure that we're putting enough information out there to draw attention to this issue of food waste as well. And how is Agilent helping with your work at Appeal? Agilent's um, equipment, I know, is part of our analytical sciences group, which is responsible for all kinds of different testing. We can also test the fruit itself for the nutrition profile or to look for certain components that might be indicators of quality or that might help us understand when it might spoil or how it might spoil. We put a lot of effort into understanding everything that we can about the produce. And what is the current appetite for innovations like Appeal? Are people becoming more environmentally minded? In general, we do see a shift towards consumers caring more about environmental and sustainability aspects in their products. For the consumer, um, we recognize that this is somewhat of a disruptive product in the market. It's not something that they're familiar with. It's not replacing something else. It's being integrated into the food system in a place that didn't exist before. And so we're, what we're doing to try to address this is we're trying to educate. We're working with the retailers to have additional signage, and we're going to be launching a new website that also includes a very, very extensive FAQ section, frequently asked questions, and more information that's, that's geared towards the consumer so that they can have any piece of information or any question that they might have would be answered. As a leader in sustainability, what advice do you have for others trying to integrate its principles into their workplaces? I think that the, sometimes the most important thing is that the people who are being the, let's call them evangelists or champions of sustainability, are operating in all different parts of the company. There are a lot of people who want to work on these things. And so giving people autonomy and kind of an outlet to do that within different parts of the organization and seeing what kinds of grassroots kind of programs evolve by just giving a small amount of resources to different groups, I think is one of the pieces to a really effective strategy. Jessica's point about the breadth of interest in sustainability was confirmed when I took a similar line of questioning into an entirely different sector, that of sustainable building space. This is Katrina Brady, Head of Better Places for People at the World Green Building Council. Today we're talking about sustainability in its broadest sense. What does this concept mean to you and to your work at the World Green Building Council? Sustainability, particularly in the building industry, is so often used to directly refer to environmental resilience. And as head of a project called Better Places for People, we advocate that sustainability has a more human element and that when we're talking about sustainable buildings, they should be places that are beneficial for the health, well-being and productivity of the occupants within, as well as being resource efficient and resilient to a changing climate. You mentioned that you're the head of the Better Places for People project. Can you tell me a little more about that? 
Of course. Better Places for People is one of our global projects at the World Green Building Council. And our project mission is to support our Green Building Councils and their members to increase the demand and supply of green buildings, which are supportive of the health, well-being and productivity of the people within them. Does your work at the World Green Building Council contribute to any of the sustainability goals set out by the UN? So we've identified that the work of the World Green Building Council is directly contributing towards nine of the sustainable development goals. So that's over half of the goals just through addressing the built environment, which I think demonstrates how incredibly important our building stock is for sustainable development across the whole world. A lot of people assume sustainability and economics aren't always that compatible. But I think a report of yours, the Doing Right by Planet and People report, really turned that upside down. Is that right? The key finding of the Doing Right by Planet and People report is that when you design and operate green buildings with the occupant in mind, buildings can be good for both the environment and its inhabitants, and also provide a solid return on investment. Our report presents examples ranging from El Salvador to Hong Kong, all of which show the same pattern. And we hope that people will look to this report as inspiration of how they can improve their workspace's environmental performance, but also experience that winning co-benefit of the staff experience and well-being as well. People do often think of sustainability as purely environmental. And although we are the World Green Building Council, even we aren't only advocating for a solely environmental focus at the expense of social or economic. Agilence recently replaced some traditional lighting with LEDs in sites around the world. Would this be a good example of environmental and economic sensor lining? It's great to hear that Agilent has been taking steps to reduce the energy use in your sites around the world, and LEDs really are a fantastic step. Natural light is also where we see the big health and well-being and productivity benefits. If you make your building more sustainable, you're actually going to be investing in your people, and your people is where 90% of your company expenditure goes. And I don't know about you, but in some of our offices, there seems to be a bit of a discussion going on about the perfect room temperature in which to work in. Is this something that companies should be also considering when designing buildings, designing with the occupants in mind? Now, I'm sure we can, we can all empathise with a work environment that is either too warm or too cold. And studies have shown that being too warm can have a huge impact on concentration levels. So the challenge for companies in terms of thermal comfort is that it's such an individual thing. And your gender, fitness level, general health, even what food you've eaten that day can have such an impact on the environment that you find comfortable at a given time. But this can be combated so easily by developing an environmentally conscious strategy to allow people to be comfortable and productive. I think you can have in the winter something like radiators on on more in one half of the room than the other. I don't know how formal the dress code is within your office, but I think you can say dress for your day is a policy that I've experienced in other companies. And yeah, some people sit there in t-shirts and some people sit there in jumpers, but then you're not wasting money on air conditioning or loads of heating if you don't need to. So here's the big question. How hopeful are you in the long term about our prospects in the face of climate change? Oh, I'm absolutely hopeful and really believe that with technology on our side and with large-scale action and incentives, we can definitely make a huge impact in bringing down global carbon emissions and hopefully keeping our level of global warming below that 1.5 degree mark that we're all targeting. I think education is a huge part of this. I think we need to be making the actions that the individual needs to do 
as simple and convenient as possible. And a huge part of that is about reaching out to the companies who we work for and the governments who provide us with our public transport and our infrastructure, as well as making up changes in terms of our individual behaviours as far as we can. I was reassured by Katrina's optimism. Her talk of large-scale action brought me back to Agilent itself, where I met with an expert in sustainability of our very own. And this came shortly after some really exciting news for Agilent. I'm Neil Rees. I am Vice President of Agilent's Workplace Services Organisation, and I've been with the company for 30 years. Why is sustainability so important for Agilent? From a customer perspective, it's very obvious from a customer base that they are focused on greening their own supply chains. If you're going to make it onto their preferred supplier list, you've got to have strong environmental credentials. And then clearly it's a, it's a key issue for employees. I, I really think sustainability is part and parcel of creating a, a great place to work. So customers demand sustainable practice to get us in the door, so to speak. But does that actually affect business once the partnership is underway? Uh, we, we surveyed lab managers and 85% of those lab managers told us that they have a sustainability goal in place. So if, if the products they're purchasing from Agilent use less water or less energy or produce less hazardous waste, then that's important to them as it helps them to achieve their own uh, sustainability objectives. And moving closer to home now, what kinds of things are Agilent doing to make a difference? And could you give us an example of how we are innovating? Yeah, our most recent construction is a new building in Waldbronn in Germany. And not only did we build it with the very latest cereals and building standards and uh, efficiency in mind in order to, to reduce its uh, energy consumption, but it also shares the heating and cooling with an adjacent um, ice rink. And you know, the interesting part of this story is that uh, we can use the excess cooling from the ice rink to help cool our building when we need it. And they can use the excess heat from our building uh, when they need to warm components of their building as well. So an interesting synergy in uh, how one company doing something very different to the other can share different aspects of their energy uh, platform. That really is interesting and just proves how sharing resources can really make a difference. On the subject of innovation, I've heard that Agilent has just won an important award in sustainability. Yes, uh, Agilent was just announced winners of the Business Intelligence Group's Sustainability Leadership Award. Not only do we firmly believe that it's our responsibility to help build a, a safer, more sustainable world, uh, but we're also very fortunate that we're able to contribute uh, on, on three different levels. If you combine how we run our own operations, how we innovate the design and manufacture of our products, and then what our customers then choose to do with those products, you know, it really is a winning combination. We don't do it for the awards, uh, but it, it's certainly um, great to get the external recognition. And now we've spoken a lot about environmental sustainability. But a sustainable future is one that also encompasses human, economic and social sustainability. How's Agilent addressing these areas? Agilent really embraces cultural diversity. In the 110 markets in which we operate, we have a formal diversity and inclusion program because we know uh, they are key drivers of innovation. Our employees are a huge part of contributing to the communities in which we operate too. Um, Agilent has an after-school program, which is this hands-on science program targeted at children uh, from the ages of 9 to, to 13. And that really brings 
science to life in this important age group. Being sustainable can be really challenging though because it takes investment and changes in behaviour which can be truly disruptive, right? I'm not sure I agree with the premise that sustainability is challenging if you make it an intrinsic part of how you do business uh, and then it almost comes naturally. And whose job would you say is it to make sustainability an intrinsic aspect of how we do business? I think it's everyone's job to make Agilent sustainable. All employees um, have a role in this, you know, whether it is turning off lights when they leave a conference room, whether it's using mugs rather than uh, disposable coffee cups. I think we're very fortunate that not only are our executives super passionate about this, but uh, all of our employees, you know, they're working for a company that helps improve the human condition. And you know, I think they see that they have a role in making sure that Agilent's own operations are, are contributing to that. From reusing the humble coffee cup to enhancing the international food production chain, my conversations with Jessica, Katrina and Neil have made me aware of just what an all-encompassing topic sustainability is. And with the stakes as high as they are, it's just as well. I found the sense of optimism shared by our speakers quite contagious. The challenges we seek to answer with improved sustainability are daunting indeed, but the ingenuity being deployed to address them is out there, and we all have the power to make changes towards a more sustainable future. That's all for this edition of our podcast. Next time, we'll be looking at the theme of integrity. Stay tuned.